fighting for freedom every day. Republicans right now, the conservatives, which unfortunately, this is what we have to do every time, even after a vote where people are sick and tired of the establishment, they're sick and tired of the squeezy, middle-of-the-road, squishy kind of Republican rhinos, and we vote conservatives in, then we have to fight tooth and nail in D.C. to actually be heard within the Republican Party. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Turn right of it. Hey, welcome into the program. What's up? It's a brand new week. It's a brand new day. It is a Monday, the greatest day of the entire week. Yes, setting the tone for the week. That's what we do here, trying to carpe DM all over this place. Welcome into the show. And it's great to have you along for the ride today, broadcasting live out of the heart of the nation here in Wichita, Kansas, on our flagship radio station. We are all over the country, radio, TV, live streaming, and podcasting, however you watch or listen to the show. It's always great to have you here, Millennial General, reporting for duty. Big show lined up today. I am working on, we're trying to get right now, they gave me the wrong number, so I'm trying to reach out and get a different number. But Dr. Robert Malone was supposed to be joining us right now as we speak on the program to kick off the show. So we may get him on today. We may have to reschedule that one. Not a problem. They gave me the office number, and the office is closed. Doesn't really help me to try and get him on the program. So we're working on it, trying to reach out. We'll get him on in just a little bit. Or if not, don't worry, we'll get that tomorrow. But his new book, Lies My Government Told Me and the Better Future That Is Coming. I like that. Optimism moving forward. So we'll get him on here relatively soon. For those that don't know who Dr. Robert Malone is, do a little Google search. Although I will say the Google, the interweb has changed their tone on him quite a bit. When you Google Robert Malone, one of the first things that pops up is from the Atlantic back in 2002 uh, or 2022. Robert Malone claims to have invented mRNA technology. So why is he trying so hard to um, undermine it? Yeah, yeah, those guys. By golly gee willikers, how dare he try to you know, to try to stop it because he created it know exactly what it does. So uh, we'll get him on with his new book. We'll talk about some of the vaccines. The continued amount of individuals is dropping across the uh, society of a heart attack, of heart issues, of random. We have no clue why they're just dropping. And I want to pick his brain on it. Does he think that the the mindset of COVID-19 and the vaccines has it changed? Has he evolved on his opinion on this moving forward, or is he still skeptical about the way that they're using those vaccines? So we'll get him on again a little bit later. Not a big deal. Bottom of the hour, I am excited to have on. We'll have Ken Raposa. He is with the Coalition for a Prosperous America. We're going to talk about the China. I miss that from Donald Trump, don't you? The China balloon. And what does it mean for relations between the United States and Russia? There are some deep issues going on here. Maybe this is the perfect opportunity for us to talk about this leading up to our conversation with Ken at the bottom of the hour as we talk about the relations between the U.S. and China. As you know, while the train derailment happened in Ohio, we had the uh, massive pushback from us as the conservatives saying, hey, where the hell is the president of the United States? And while we have a disaster going on, essentially blowing up a small town in the United States, we have our president of the United States out there over in Ukraine, giving them trillions of dollars of our own money, paying for their pensions, paying for their infrastructure. We've told the story. We don't need to go down that road again. So the of course, now some of the pushback from the conservatives as well. You know what? To hell with Ukraine. We're going to support Russia in this deal, which 
I am not for in any way, shape, or form because Russia is still run by a crazy dictator tyrant that is Vladimir Putin, who is a communist KGB affiliate who wants to reunite the Soviet Union, which is one of his reasons that he's actually invading the Ukraine. Can't be doing that. But the media has done a perfect prime job setting this up uh, for us to really bicker at each other because, as you know, divide and conquer is their mentality. That's what they love to do as the divide and conquer between everybody. So whether it's right and left, whether it's conservative liberal, whether it's black or white, whether it's uh, church or non-church, whether it's Christian or Muslim, whatever the case is, the media, society as a whole, loves to do the whole divide and conquer by keeping us in these identity politics boxes and going at each other. And the latest and greatest is, of course, the Russia and Ukrainian conflict that's ongoing on whether you're pro-Ukraine, whether you're pro-Russia, which I don't know many people, i got to be honest, that are pro-Russia, and if you are, then that's a little weird and a little strange, but if you stand that way, then that's cool. Uh, There are obviously those as well on the conspiratorial side that, and I say that again with very uh, air quotes here, conspiratorial, on the reasons for the invasion of Ukraine and the slush money coming in from the United States and what's going on there and and, uh, Volodymyr Zelensky being kind of a puppet, which he is, that's not much of a conspiracy. But again, this issue has divided us majorly. COVID, non-COVID, vaccines, non-vaccines. Everything's about dividing. Everything's about division. Everything's about the divide and conquer. And they do it very good, especially when we're all isolated and we can't talk to the other side with because social media puts up the barriers and the algorithms to where we can't communicate. And they do a fantastic job putting up the walls in society to where we can't really talk to one another on the other side to at least understand the other side's point a view, and the thought process that they have. Now, I'll be the first to admit that there are very few points on the other side in some ways that uh, actually make sense. And if you do, then I respect you and tip my, tip my hat to you. I may not agree with you, but I can at least understand your thought process. Now that social media is here, there's not a, lot, not a lot of that going on. Not a lot of that going on. So I want to be very clear with this issue on Russia-Ukraine because while we get into these infightings here of Russia's good or uh, Ukrainian's good or we need to support these guys, whatever, we need to remember that in the grand scheme of things when it comes to the elites, when it comes to the globalists, when it comes to the issues going on on an international scale with the United Nations, with NATO, with the European Union, with these uh, mid-regional and global governments that are trying to dominate the entire world and control what you and I think, what you and I know, and how you and I feel on particular issues, they don't leave any rock unturned. And they are at both ends of the candlestick here, so to speak. Joe Biden has just as many ties to Russia as he does to the Ukraine. Joe Biden and the Biden family and Hunter Biden has just as many ties to China and to Russia as they do the Ukraine. Now, I do strongly believe that there is some really deep tie regarding uh, Russia or I'm sorry, to the Ukraine and to the United States. Why in the world would we pay for their pensions and their infrastructure rebuild with the ongoing cut? Well, the conflict's not even over. I mean, if you look at World War II, if that's what they're trying to mimic this issue off of is we're going to pass the Great Deal, we're going to invest and try and rebuild Europe after World War II, what FDR did with the Great Deal, where we really started our whole trick of we're going to spend more than what the GDP is about, we're going to spend more than what we really should be, we're going to get ourselves into crazy amounts of debt, we're going to expand the government programs, we're going to expand the agencies and the departments and everything else. If he's trying to mimic that, at least wait until the conflict's over, because if we invest in infrastructure now... How do we know it's not going to get blown up later and then just wasting money and throwing money at the issue? 
So it's a little strange. It's also strange that he let Russia know that he was going over there last week or a couple weeks ago before he actually did it to warn them. And then days later, we had Russia pull out of the nuclear arms deal between Russia and the United States. So things just don't add up. Then you look at now that we've hit the one-year anniversary of Russia and the Ukraine conflict, you look at how the sanctions have been in place against Russia. That was the slap on the wrist that did absolutely zero zip nada against the country of Russia by putting sanctions on certain individuals, putting sanctions on certain markets like the energy markets with coal and electricity and natural gas and oil and everything else of the sorts. Uh, We put sanctions on those. We put sanctions on the rich people can't have their yachts. And we put these sanctions on Vladimir Putin's daughters and whatever else we felt like putting a sanction, and again, I use air quotes for the sanctions, on. And for those that don't follow politics as closely, for those that don't pay attention to this stuff nearly as much but just hear the quick headlines and are frustrated that while our economy is in the complete tank and our recession's hitting and every economist is selling off all their stocks right now and that they're trying to prepare for the recession of 2023, we're out uh, spending billions upon billions of dollars in the Ukraine under the name of we're going to continue to fight for sovereignty of the Ukraine. Now, I will tell you that In the ideological sense, I support that concept of the sovereignty of Ukraine. To say, no, we don't want to reunite the Soviet Union. No, we don't need a crazy communist dictator taking over there. And no, we don't need a humanitarian crisis like we're seeing right now with Russia blowing up apartment complexes with people people still inside them. We don't need that. That's horrible. And God bless the Ukrainian people for standing up and fighting for their nation. The people. The government's a different story. What we need to recognize here is that as the average American, the average Joe Schmo for you and I, the average person, it's a lose-lose situation whether you support Ukraine or you support Russia. And whether you're tired of money being sent to the Ukraine or not. I completely full-heartedly believe, truly, that the money being spent over there for uh, not necessarily the maybe the bullets and the weapons, but definitely for the Uh, for the pension plans, for the infrastructure rebuild, for all this garbage, is essentially a slush fund going into the Ukraine to wash money and to hype up the government over there. That's just a puppet for the Biden slash Obama administration. And I say that because Obama did the same thing over there by kind of setting the stage for this when he was in office, and now it's coming to fruition. So, yes, it is the Obama and Biden administration that's partaking in this, and I truly, honestly believe that that money is going over there in a very corrupt manner that we should not be spending on in any way, shape, or form. So, Andy, so you don't support Ukraine, you support Russia. No, I don't, Obvious for obvious reasons, being a crazy communist dictator over there as well, and just as many ties to Russia that the Biden family has as well as Ukraine. Now let's take it a step further. Who's supporting Russia? China is supporting Russia. How many dealings do we know of just off hand without the investigations from the House of Representatives right now and the certain committees right now? Uh, how many dealings do we know of right now that the Bidens have with China who's continuously funding the episode in Russia. If one benefits, the other benefits. It's a lose-lose situation, and all of us in America 
who get a slight bit of the information, who don't know exactly what's going on over there, uh, whether it's the uh, certain bioweapon labs that we have, whether it's the slush money that's coming in, whether it's the KGB trying to take over, whatever scenario that you believe in or that you want to believe in, we don't know the entire full story because they're not going to give us the entire full story. But what we do know is that we are, remember, you ever been in a, a divorce or some type of court hearing? And the lawyer is milking both sides by, hey, you need to talk to me. I'm going to talk to them. They're going to talk to me. I'm going to talk to you. And we're just going to milk this and go as long as we possibly can. If you've been through a divorce, which thankfully I have not and I never plan to be in a, a divorce. But if you've ever been through a divorce process, they're essentially milking it from both ends to be able to get as much fund as possible and drag it out. Which not necessarily the lawyer's fault because people are crazy, but at the same time, they're going to benefit from it. That's their job, and they're going to make money from it because that's what they do. Nothing against them. That's just what happens. That's the way the process is set up. That's what the Bidens are right now. That's what the federal government is right now. They're milking both sides of this. If Ukraine comes out victorious at the end, which they very possibly could, they're going to come back and they're going to be the absolute puppets for the United States government and be the slush funds of investing trillions of dollars into their government that's going to be turned around for benefits coming back to us through their government. If they don't, and Russia finally takes over, who benefits? The Russians benefit. The United States that was funding part of and put the quote-unquote wrist uh, slap on the wrist sanctions over them. And at the same time, the uh, Chinese government that's been investing a buttload of money and resources into Russia to continue that as well, where they benefit from all the benefits of the resources, natural resources, economic resources that Ukraine has as well, that the Bidens are benefiting off of as well. No matter what side you're on, the United States is in a lose-lose situation with what's going on over there thanks to the corrupt global elitists that are taking advantage of both situations. And no matter what issue we're talking about, foreign or domestic here in the United States, we need to remember many of these divisive issues that we have, we all can find common ground here on the home front between Republicans, Democrats, conservative liberals when we recognize identity politics, economic issues, governmental issues most of them are created for the elites that are benefiting on whichever sides ends up winning at the end of the day happy monday to you we got a lot to get to here on the voice of reason stay here it's the voice of reason with andy hoosier Fighting for freedom every day. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Welcome back into the program. 24 minutes past the hour. We're going to talk some more about that with Ken Raposa coming up at the bottom of the hour. The relationship with the U.S. and China and Russia and the Ukraine. I'm telling you, they're winning on both sides of this one. Whether it's NATO, whether it's anti-NATO, whether it's the sovereignty of Russia, whether it's the sovereignty of Ukraine... They know what they're doing, man, and they're benefiting from all sides of that one, which just leaves us in the dark and not getting what we actually need to survive on the home front here. But we'll figure it out. Why? Because we don't need the government to do everything for us and tell us what to do. So I am optimistic, baby. Do not think about that as a negative side. Think about that as well. Liars lie. And what a shocker that that should be, right? (laughs) There it is. All right. 
Speaking of, by the way, Dr. Robert Malone, we did get a message from the uh, publicist at group. They'll be rescheduling that interview. We have, uh, I guess he just left the office early and forgot about the interview, or he's busy doing something else, but uh, we'll get him on the show here soon. His latest book, Lies My Government Told Me and the Better Future Coming. Talking about lies from the government, man. I don't know if you've seen the headlines that happened over the weekend in our breaking news segment of the day. Oh, yeah. Now, all you, by the way, that were conspiracy theorists, all the ones that got shadow banned from social media during the COVID-19 pandemic, all of you that have been trying to question the government's authority over the COVID-19 pandemic and what they were telling us on the origins of it, where it was coming from, what it was doing, how bad it actually is. Yeah. Yeah, you guys are actually right, and you were correct, by the way. Oh, that one is now the latest headlines that finally were leaked over the weekend with the media finally having to acknowledge it and the fact that we now know where the COVID-19 virus came from and it was a leak from a lab in a little place called Wuhan, China. I know. I, I know. I know. Now, if you had pushed, posted that tweet just a couple of years ago when the pandemic first came out and they were trying to say that there's a whole bunch of like Ozzy Osbournes running around biting the heads off of bats or something, then we were like, wait a second, that doesn't quite make any sense. Maybe, I guess. Cool. But wouldn't that just like affect one person? And we're, how the heck did we get this global pandemic here? But no, in fact, now they're saying and we question, hey, wasn't there like a Wuhan lab where Dr. Fauci was tied to and we were concerned about gain of function and there's some weird things going on? No, 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 no. It was the bat. It was only the bat. And anyone that says anything about Wuhan, China is a racist for accusing Chinese people and Wuhan people for actually spreading the virus. You can't be doing that. We're going to shadow ban you. We're going to send you on the censor you on the social media. You're not allowed to talk about that issue. Oh, Oh, okay. Uh, I guess we can't talk about that issue any longer. Well, now, after all those years, now they finally came out and said, well, I guess it was kind of a leak from a lab in Wuhan. Now, oh, oh, man. So, if you've been hanging on to that idea the entire time and you didn't fall for the Ozzy Osbourne theory of biting the heads off of bats in a market in some crazy little town in China, then kudos on you. Pat yourself on the back. You were able to stick it out. That was the challenge, ladies and gentlemen. It was the COVID-19 pandemic test. And if you stuck to your guns and you still believed in the Wuhan lab, then you passed and you can pat yourself on the back. Is that... <laughs> It really does bring up the questions, though, because you're not doing any favors, media, if this is what you're actually recording now and reporting, is if you're finally admitting that, are you going to apologize for attacking anyone who blamed the Wuhan lab? Are you going to admit that there was any type of connection to Dr. Anthony Fauci, who's now left the government because he didn't want to be part of this because his job is done? He started off in a disaster with AIDS and he ended with his career in a disaster with COVID-19 and now he's out the door. Are we going to continue to look into gain of function concerns and investments from Dr. Fauci and the Wuhan lab going on? in China when we know there was some type of connection. So you've admitted one. When are you going to admit the rest? And if the conspiracy theorists were right on this one, one for conspiracy theories, hooray! Pat yourself on the tinfoil-headed uh, head that you have right now. If we have that question, then what else are they lying about that we could find out about? Maybe vaccine efficiencies, or like Dr. Robert Malone says with the mRNA technologies, or masks, or lockdowns, or the economy, or inflation, or Russia. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. 
When Reason Meets Radio. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Darn right, and welcome back into the program. Covering so much ground today for a Monday, trying to kick off your week, trying to carpe diem all over this place, if you know what I mean. That's what we're all about here. <laughs> Seize the day, baby. Welcome in. Radio, TV, live streaming, podcasting, trying to cram that 10 pounds of reason into that five pound bag, trying to rebrand the millennial generation, one radio listener at a time. By the way, there's a story we're going to talk about tomorrow on the program uh, regarding millennials and the economy. The economists apparently are baffled that the inflation's still high, that interest rates are continuously being higher, that the stock market's going into a recession and doing a major sell-off, and we're all preparing for a recession of 2023, but yet they say that Americans are still spending all this money, which was kind of a lie when they told us in the fourth quarter because it was actually down by 0.2% from what they originally said, uh, just from what we saw last week. But the vast majority in the generational ways that are spending more than ever and racking up more debt than ever is, of course, again, and I apologize for the millennial generation. So, yes. Yes, so we'll get to that tomorrow a little bit and have some fun on that front. Let's shift gears a little bit, though, and get into our What's Trending of the Day. What's trending today? Darn right. So as we talked about just a little bit earlier, we have a kind of a lose-lose when it comes to the Biden administration's ties with Ukraine, their ties with Russia, even their ties with China. Then, of course, we had the scare of shooting down a random balloon uh, after it got done with its mission going across the nation. And then we wanted to be proactive by shooting down other UAPs or UFOs in our skies by shooting down like kids drones and like National Weather Service balloons because we wanted to be proactive, really show that we were taking initiative to make sure things aren't hovering over our skies and uh, monitoring us or doing whatever the hell that they're doing. So where are we right now in our relationship with the United States and China? Where are we with some of the international uh, issues with the fearless leader of Joe Biden leading that charge? Excited to have on the program. He's a China expert, also industry analyst for the Coalition for a Prosperous American. Excited to have on the program, Ken Raposa. Ken, how are you, my friend? Hey, thanks for having me on. I'm fine. Good. I'm excited to have you on here. So first off, the big question is, how are our relations with China right now? They're funding... Russia, who is trying to help take over Ukraine, we're supposedly funding Ukraine with like pension plans and infrastructure bills and going over there and visit, visiting with them, uh, which has got to create some tension. And then, of course, the whole balloon issue. How are we with China right now? Sure. Well, our relations with China are definitely strained. But here's one thing that your listeners have to remember, right? So it's very easy for the United States to hate on Russia because, of course, the people who are in the deep state, the permanent bureaucracy of the State Department and so on, who've been in and out of there since the late, probably since the mid-'80s, uh, grew up in the Cold War. They grew up with uh, the song by Sting, I Hope the Russians Love Their Children Too, and all in Red Dawn. That's what they grew up in, right? They're in their 60s now, and so battling Russia has always been a James Bond-ish fantasy for them, and so they go after it. China has always been our friend, remember. China was our pal in the Obama administration, it was the it was the Asia pivot, and some can say that one of the reasons for that Asia pivot Obama used to talk about was to contain China, but there was no there was no effort to contain China because it was always um, you know big business was going to do business in China, they were going to expand in China, and they were going to make everything in the world that you could possibly make in China. There was no turning back. That was the that was the momentum until Trump came to town in 2017 and threw a hand grenade at, at that entire relationship with China. And so only since then, let's say since 2017, has the United States relationship with China just been torpedoed, and it's, and it's sinking. Yeah. Um, 
But and Biden pretty much has done the same thing. I mean, you can say what you want about Biden and his compromises with China because because of Hunter, but he has done little to improve relations uh, with China. Actually, the, the, the Trump put tariffs on China goods; those tariffs are still there. Trump put tariffs on things like solar extra um, tariffs on solar panels; those still exist, even though there was a pause on some uh, not too long ago. But that's a, that's another topic. Trump put capital market sanctions on certain uh, companies that Wall Street could not invest in in China. Biden extended those capital market sanctions. And Biden also put restrictions on what Intel and Qualcomm and other tech companies could sell to Chinese tech companies. So that relationship has deteriorated. It's deteriorated only since 2018. This is a whole new world for Washington. And it is, how do I balance the China relationship considered a national imperative, considered a national security threat to the United States. How do I balance this when, here's the kicker, everything in my house, everything on my phone is made there. Disney wants to be there. NBA wants to be there. Apple wants to be there. Nike, BlackRock, JP Morgan, Goldman, they all want to be there. How do I balance it? Because I have all those people, all those mega corporations I just named who lobby for China on China's behalf, China doesn't have to pay them any money to lobby, they'll do it anyway. So it's a very tricky balance, and it's something that's only really new uh, in the American establishment, you know, going after China. It's sure. brand new. Trump started. Just the last few years. Yeah, it's it's very fascinating. You're, you're spot on. I mean, it's, I think the fascination was there really when we had kind of Bush Sr., uh, come out during the 90s and talk about the New World Order and talk about this globalization and talk about being able to go overseas and do stuff. And China kind of was the hot spot, wasn't it? That was a sexy place to go and create manufacturing because it was so cheap to do so. Then when Trump came along, like you said, I mean, we started doing this America first mindset of, hey, wait a second, we need to be creating jobs here. We don't need to be outsourcing everything we do. We need to be a little bit more independent and kind of rock that relationship a little bit, didn't it? Absolutely, rock the rock that relationship, and not only that. Look, look at the you know the powers that be hated Trump for that. Uh, Financial Times hated Trump. The the Eurocrats of the EU hated Trump. They certainly many of the many of them uh, donated to the Biden uh, campaign uh, against Trump. Many of the wealthy philanthropist organizations and individual philanthropists of Europe uh, donated to the Biden uh, campaign and the Democratic Party. They hate they hate that the traditional old world globalists. They hated Trump. Um, and then, of course, you had the intelligence community that hated Trump as well, because the intelligence community, one could argue, is, you know, also very pro-globalist, right? So they, they protect the globalists, they protect the imperialists, and so if you're against it, they will figure out a way to ridicule you, or as Chuck Schumer once said, six ways to Sunday to make your life miserable. So, you know, Trump had a target on his back. When you go, when you go after, you know, the Western-led order, when you go after globalization in, in the way that he did, uh, which was basically the, like I said, the complete torpedoing of of the Asia pivot, uh, which was to make Asia be the manufacturing hub of the West, and particularly the United States, and just maintain a service economy here. And to those who were lost out, to those who were the forgotten man, right? Well, you just pay them universal basic income, and that was a pl- That was a strategy. That was that was in in the cards. You know, it was like, look, we're never going to get a factory in upstate New York to make a widget anymore. It's made in Mexico or it's made in China, and that's the way it is. So what are we going to do? Well, let's just convince these people that universal basic income is the way to go, because we can't afford to move them to New York City, or maybe we just move them there. We put them in subsidized housing. It's maybe cheaper to just pay for them to live on whatever it is. Wow. And so this, this was actually a a mindset uh, in 
in Washington, you know, because there was no there was no let's figure out a way to get the United States to, you know, Americans to earn their daily bread, right, uh, to make a living making things instead of just driving for Uber or working part time, two part time jobs at Macy's and uh, and Target. Right. That was not that was not, a thing. you know, it, it was it was this is the way it is. Globalization is unstoppable. It's going to be Asia. And that's the, that's the world and you'll just have to cope. That's a scary thought, and uh, Donald Trump definitely threw the wrench in that system, but the fact that they had that lined out as their long-term goal, that's a that's a scary thought. So now looking at China, now that we have that disruption, now that we have that kind of that friction between the countries here, is that when they really started having, you know, uh, cyber security concerns with China where they started coming after us and trying to monitor our info, or were they doing that all the way beforehand and we just started recognizing it now that we're not best buds here? No, no, they were they were doing it all all along, right? So, but but we monitor it more because we're not best buds. So, there is a company everybody's heard of called Cisco Systems of California, San Francisco. That's what Cisco was named after. And they, if I remember correctly, they had a either a routing system or some maybe it was five G. I don't know what it was, but some technology that they designed in house that was totally stolen uh, by a company we all know now called Huawei. And Huawei exists because of that. You know, we, you know, the Chinese people are not stupid, right? They're certainly, I mean, we, we know this, right? You can walk on the Harvard campus or Princeton, right? It's all Asians and most of them are Chinese. So these people can do anything, right? They, they can certainly create a Cisco systems on their own, right? They, they certainly can. But it's certainly easier if I get the source code from Cisco systems and then use the, all the might and power of the Chinese party, the government, uh, Chinese Communist Party, to build myself into a Cisco Systems times two behemoth, uh, something that dominates 5G in all of the Americas, south of Texas. South of Texas is literally Huawei. I mean, you just, you're, you're 5G, you're a telecommunications, uh, uh, you're looking for telecommunications services in Bogota, you know, you're going to Huawei, you're not, you're not buying an American system, probably not buying Ericsson's of Europe too expensive. They dominate it now. So, you know, it's a lot easier to grow that kind of company when you have the source code and you can grow, grow from, um, expand from there. So this is how China expanded, one of the ways they expanded, okay, and then using their own smarts on top of that. And Western capital has been flowing into China for years. Um, Wall Street, of course, invests in all the companies there. BlackRock has money in every single Chinese company that's traded on the, on the exchange in Shanghai and Shenzhen, except those that have recently been banned from trading. And, of course, the multinational corporations, and even some smaller ones, they're all invested in China. Either they want to be there to sell to the Chinese, or they want to be there to make things to sell to us. Wow. Man, they have their hands in everything. We're talking with Ken Raposa, industry analyst at Coalition for a Prosperous America, which you can find online at prosperousamerica.org. Ken, we got to take a hard break here in a second, so hang tight. When we come back, I want to continue this conversation and talk about some of those issues. Obviously, there's now a concern with TikTok and trying to ban TikTok on how influential China may be having over our young generation. And like you mentioned with the trade, de- I want to talk about the trade deficit on where we're at today compared to, let's say, prior to the Trump administration, because he that was his big talking point is where we got to get a refix and actually make it beneficial for us for our trade deficit that we have with China. So there's a lot of direction we need to go here and our look at the future with our relationship with the country. Is it going to get more tense or can we calm things down just a little bit? moving forward. All that and more coming up for a Monday here on The Voice Reason. Stay right This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier.
fighting for freedom every day. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. All right, it is. Welcome back into the program. Last few minutes of the show. Fastest hour of radio on, well, radio. Multiple radio stations all over the place. Thanks for hanging out. As always, love you to death. Appreciate it. Coming up on the program tomorrow, we have Congressman Bob Latta from the great state of Ohio. We're going to get an update on the train derailment going on and the EPA's investigation. <laughs> now that Trump went down there and then they're like, oh, yeah, it's actually a big deal. We're going to start cleaning up some of the waste down there. After they're like, oh, we burned it off the water. You're fine. You can start consuming again. We'll get to that uh, a little bit later on tomorrow on the program. Today, though, we're hanging out with Ken Raposa. He's an industry analyst at Coalition for a Prosperous America, which you can find online at prosperousamerica.com, talking about the relationship with China, how it's evolved or maybe devolved over the last few years. Ken, real quickly, as we got just a few minutes left here, let's talk about the trade deficit. That was the big talking point under the Trump administration was how badly the trade deficit was with China and how we need to correct that by, like you said, putting the tariffs on China. And where are we today? And did that rectify the situation? Or are we still in a quote-unquote trade deficit with them? Oh, wow. Uh, Yes, we are in a big trade deficit with China. We certainly sell... Uh, we certainly import from them more than they uh, import from us. So in, in a few minutes we have left, the deficit is a little lower than it was um, when tariffs began in 2018. That was about $418 billion in uh, trade gap between the two countries. Now it's about, let's say, I'm going to guess, $360 billion. So it's less, but the trend is rising. We could also say it might be less because of what happened during COVID. And, of course, some of China's supply chains moved to Southeast Asia and shipped through there. So our trade deficit with Vietnam, which buys nothing for the United States, a poor country, is going through the roof. It's, you know, big, our trade deficit with Vietnam is bigger than it is, let's say, than with, with uh, Germany, for example, you know, mm-hmm. because Vietnam doesn't buy anything from us because a lot of those Chinese companies just uh, shipped through Vietnam instead. So you could, if you would add Vietnam to... Uh, the China deficit would be almost the same. And why is that? Well, we don't live in a dictatorship where Trump or Biden can tell Apple where to make their uh, iPhones and yeah. their iPods from, right? So uh, until Apple says, yeah, we're not, <laughs> we're not going to make uh, 100% of our iPhones in China at Foxconn factories in mainland China, we're going to move them to India, or we're going to move some of them to Mexico, or better yet, move some to Indiana, uh, then, you know, that, that, that number's never going to change. It's just going to keep rising. So, you know, you can't blame you – know, the president can only do so much. We live in a free, free market, and, you know, we want to live in a free market. Not, we want to live in a free society, right, where the private sector can, can do what they want. But uh, when you say, okay, it's going to cost you 25% more to do what you want, <laughs> you can see right there that the China margin is so great – that you could say to you could say to a company like Apple, well, it's going to cost you twenty five percent more to import your goods. They said we don't care. You know, you could charge seventy percent more. The price is still nothing. If you ever go to like, um, you know, like these retail stores, let's say like Joanne's Fabric and Crafts or any store, right? And you'll see like seventy percent off or whatever it is. You know, some retail item that's all from China, right? Maybe it's right. clothes or fabric, right? Seventy percent off. I mean, think about it. either they're losing money on it. Or even if they're making a little bit, a 5% margin on these things, you can, you can imagine how high these things are marked up, right? Yeah. So, you know, when you're putting a 25% tariff on a China good, which all these companies cried about, you would think that they would say, oh, my gosh, we can, we can never import from China again. It's just too expensive. They never stopped because their margin on China is so huge and because China is so important to them. The, you know, just moving their factories, moving their contractors would, would be very complicated. They have long-term relationships, relationships with these people. Um but also the the profit is still good, so they, they they have not have not shifted enough out of China, 
including to Southeast Asia, and certainly not to uh, wherever you are. You're in, are you in Kansas? I'm in Kansas. Yeah, I'm based out of Wichita. So, Kansas. have you seen any? Have you seen any? You know, new factories going up in Kansas to make like you know new era baseball hats or anything like that? I mean, I don't know. Maybe you have. Well, we're starting not not that kind of stuff, but we are interesting enough. We're starting to build our own um, uh, computer chips uh, here. There's been See? three or okay. four different manufacturing plants across Kansas that actually started that. So, uh, that was going to be my next question: Is some of that industry that is beginning to come back here without the reliability of especially computer chips out there uh, is fascinating to see how things are changing that way. Right, and that and that's where the government can come in, right? So we could say what we can about we can say what we want about Biden, but that's the the Chips and Science Act which Biden signed into law. He didn't yep. make that law. He didn't make it. He that he didn't write it. That was Congress uh, that did that, but he signed it into law. So the Chips law is what provides all these incentives for companies like the chip makers you're saying uh, that are moving to Kansas, which certainly isn't as expensive to moving to New York City or San Francisco. Exactly. And they can make that there. It's affordable. So luckily, that that's an example of how legislation and how the government can work uh, to help you know, build American industry up. Oh, how the times are changing. It's going to be fascinating to see how this relationship evolves with China and how we look at it moving forward in the future. Check them out online, prosperousamerica.org. It's Ken Raposa. Ken, great to have you on the program, my friend. Great info. Let's do it again soon. Anytime. Thanks for having me. Hey, love it very much. Great information. We'll break that down again tomorrow. Until then, we're back at it again on a Tuesday. Make sure to be your own voice of reason. It's time for you to speak up, speak out, speak loud, speak proud, speak the truth, and always speak some reason. This is the Voice of Reason. I'm Andy Hoosier. We'll see you on the radio.